0: Thanks, Dave. Um, So, Leash Novel's coming up. I uh, could tell you a lot about him. He's been in ministry over 25 years. It's going to sound very official at first. Don't worry. Um, He's been in ministry over 25 years. He's a missionary right now in Chile. I was a missionary kid in Panama as well, in Guatemala and other places. And A lot, you know, of, of all the people I know, my dad is the one I look up to. He's the first man who's that really influenced me in the Lord um, and uh i I am in ministry uh, because of the calling of God, not because he told me to or anything uh, my dad, but uh, of all the things I've learned from him, I don't think ministry was ever like one of those like is like a side benefit the most one I just want to say like I've learned <laughs> this is yeah, I know i What I meant to come up here and say was, of all the things that have influenced me the most, was the fact that I, day in and day out, saw what it meant to walk with Jesus every day. And I just want to honor that in my dad, that um, I do learn pastoral things. I do learn missionary things from him. But most of all, I just learned what it meant to be um, a man who walked with God. So I encourage you guys, as men um, and ladies, that um, as you're just parents, and if you just walk with God, your kids will be greatly influenced. They have their own decisions to make, but they will be greatly influenced. As you just make a decision that it's not necessarily connected in your mind, but it will be. So, Dad, why don't you come on up, and that was a really quick introduction, but Thank here you, you go. Uh, wow.
1: am, I on, am I on, Greg? Am I okay? I think, yeah, hello. Can you hear me? Good morning, everybody. Can I lay this somewhere? The music stand, whoa ooh, I feel the glory. Thank you uh, Wow, this is so cool to be here, and thank you, uh, Pastor David, for inviting me. Um, I just want to say a couple of comments about you know I, I travel a lot I 'm in a lot of churches all over the place, and it really is a blessing to come to a congregation. Where there's this, if I can say this, zealous pursuit of God—is that a fair statement here? Right. Zealous pursuit of God, and uh, you know, you, you go where you you go where you can. You speak in different places, but uh, I, I will say there's a culture that uh, makes itself available to the Holy Spirit, doing what He wants to do, and that is always a prescription for something exciting to happen. Not because I showed up, but because the Lord showed up a long time ago, like about two hours ago. Amen. <clears throat> when everybody started gathering here to set do the setup. Um, A little bit about me, Um, my wife and I are missionaries in Chile, we live in Santiago. Any Hispanics here? Anybody? Hallelujah, Gloria a Dios, hermanas. You know, it's like, that's my homies. I mean, like when I'm in, with los Latinos, siento muy bien, I'm like very, very happy to be with uh, Hispanic people and uh, I've given my life to uh, the cause of the gospel in Latin America. So I, I get a little choked thinking about that. Um, this is our third deployment. We were in uh, Guatemala for three years from uh, 84 to 87 during the Civil War there, and, and that had its own uh, exciting, if you can say, uh, experience. Uh, I don't recommend civil wars, by the way. You know, just try to avoid them. People are getting killed, uh, people are getting kidnapped. And, uh, you know, I've got plenty of uh, missionary war stories from Guatemala that I won't bore you with, but, uh, but it is, it's where we really cut our teeth in missions. And Kurt was actually born there, uh, 1985, I think, <laughs> January, <laughs> January, oh, that's right, the therapist will be at the back of the room for you. <clears throat> And, uh, and by the way, we are, we are excited about uh, Kurt and Rachel getting married in June. Ooh, yeah. And we'll be here in June for the big wedding. So um, congratulations. And uh, all the things that we've not been able to do with Kurt, we're counting on you, Rachel. So no pressure, no pressure. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> anyway, congratulations. And... Um, my wife was, you know, ecstatic about all that kind of stuff, and she's been praying every day for all three of her boys to get married, and two down, and one to go. So, um, back to us. So, uh, we did uh, Guatemala three years. Then I was uh, the regional coordinator for the Foursquare Ministry in Latin America for another five years. Ended up in Panama and Colombia for uh, five years, and that was a really good experience, but once again, Colombia having its own problems, and so that was a a nail-biter once in a while. Should you go in, not go in? So we lived in Panama, traveled and did leadership training in Panama, and then would go in and out of Colombia uh, to do the same thing, but it just had its its, its own risk. So that was that, that experience. And now we're in uh, Santiago, Chile. We've been there now four years, and our focus is on training pastors to be more effective uh, both in discipling people within their church, but also reaching their communities. And so uh, we do 8 to 12 training events throughout Santiago, or not Santiago, throughout Chile. To give you a little bit, about, uh, little bit of an idea about, slow down, da-da-da-da, a da, da, da. little bit of an idea about what Chile's like geographically. Take Arizona, flip it to the north, Oregon and Washington in the south, and that's what our is like. Deserts to the north, uh, pine forests to the south. And if you look at the U.S., U.S. is, you know, 3,500 miles wide approximately. Chile's like 2,900 miles long. So we're as long almost as the U.S. is wide all along the Pacific coast. And we happen to have a few things called earthquakes. Had my first 8.0. Yes, 8.0. Want to know what the 8.0 is like? Anybody want to know? Because they call it the big one here in L.A., right? The big one, the 8.0. It's two and a half minutes long. That's what an 8.0 looks like. Now, one of the cool things about Chile, I'll just say this real quick. They had a 9.5 earthquake in 1960. That was six minutes long. I met a guy that was in that earthquake. He said, we thought the world had ended because nothing stands with six six minutes of shaking. And it actually rerouted a whole river in southern Chile, changed the course of a river, but the positive side to that is Chile has the best uh, building codes in the entire world. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> and we are probably here today because of those building codes. Because our building could shake for two and a half minutes. Uh, we're on the fourth floor at 3 a.m. in the morning. In the, uh, we, we thought this was a good move. Don't go there. Don't go to the stairwells. They actually collapse sometimes. want the That's a whole other thing. We'll talk about earthquake survival next week. <laughs> But uh, anyway, it, it is amazing and so we're very grateful that uh, we got through that earthquake and, uh, and very few fatalities comparatively speaking to places like Haiti and other countries that have suffered. So that's what we do in Chile and um, be back here in June to see you again for a return engagement so, for the wedding. So thank you for coming this morning. Let's pray and I just want to ask the Holy Spirit to really, and I know a lot of people prayed already, just come and do what he wants to do. One of the things that I've found and one of the challenges that I'm, I feel constantly is really getting out of his way. It's really saying, okay, Lord, do what you want to do, not what I think you ought to do or what I want to see happen. I, I, um, it, it really is a discipline to just say, stop and say, acknowledge him and say, okay, you do what you want to do. So take the hand of the person next to you. Let's just pray, okay? Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come right now, and I thank you, Lord, for just this sense of, if I could say, holy desperation here. There are people here that are seeking you with all their hearts because they've decided to be radical Christians. And so, Lord, I bless them. I honor them. I thank you for them. I thank you for, for Dave and Michelle and Tom and Deb and the whole leadership team here that, have, that really fervently model that pursuit of you. And, Lord, I know that you're up to some exciting things here at New Community. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, in February of 2009, uh, I was on the northern coast of Chile in a town called Tocopia. Uh, Tocopilla experienced an earthquake in 07. They, uh, Chile gets a big one about every 25 years, and uh, we've got through that hopefully. <laughs> you know, now we're good for another 25. But uh, this was one that actually destroyed about 25% of the city of 20,000 people. And so we had a four-square church there that had been damaged. I went there to survey it because we had promised some aid. And so I was kind of the point man there of helping figure out how we were going to rebuild this church building. So it's a Tuesday night, uh, not a normal church night any, you know, in most places. But all these three churches in that town got together and said, you know, we got the, our president of our organization and our missionary, and you know we want to have this joint service. So they do that. Now in Chile... People stay up really late at night. That's one of the crazy things about that culture is they are like, it's just like they're social animals. I mean, they love hanging out with people late at night, which has been probably one of the greatest challenges (laughs) I face because, uh, you know, I'm kind of getting old up there, and I just want to go to bed. But they love to stay up. So service started at 9 o'clock at night. Yeah, 9 o'clock, we start the service. So, I'm speaking that night, and we're speaking on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and, you know, six people come up, we lay hands on them, they're being filled with the Spirit, and I'm looking at my watch, it's going, 10.30, I'm out of here, man, I'm going home. Now, I didn't tell you, I was staying in another city three hours away. So, 10.30, man, I'm getting to bed at 1.30. So, trust me, like, I'm sorry, I hope this doesn't blow your mind, like, I want to go to bed sometimes. You know, I may be a missionary, but I want to go to sleep. So, you know, 1030, we're done, and the pastor comes up, and he says, his name is Victor, and he says, you know, God's been using Brother Lee lately in a lot of areas of healing, and I, anybody here have a, have a health issue? And I mean, like, 50 people stand up, and I'm going, no, <laughs> no. Because I'm thinking, that's easy two hours of praying, easy. You know, remember the, the the unmissionary. I want to go to bed and go to sleep. Pastor Dave, you know, it's like, so I said, wait a minute, let's, let's just do this. Let's just stop and pray and ask the Holy Spirit what he wants to do. You know, note to self, ask the Holy Spirit first, right? So we prayed. Lord gave me three words of knowledge. One was a person with schizophrenia, God was going to heal. The other one with a blind left eye, God was going to heal that person. And the other one was diabetes, and so uh, I said, who, who has those problems? And three women came forward and blind left eye, schizophrenia, and diabetes. I'm going right on, okay? So check. So the first thing, the one thing I've learned is that in praying for people publicly, and I'm, a, I'm really sold out to this idea, I don't believe God wants to embarrass any one of you. I really don't believe that. I believe he wants to protect your dignity. They just want to embarrass you. But regarding me, he's happy to embarrass me. That's just the relationship we got. You know, It's just the way it goes. And so I've accepted that as part of my MO. So the, the first person comes up. Her name is Maria. And I said, um, I said Maria, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to show me how to pray for you because she had the blind left eye. Actually, she could, she could see shadows, but it was legally blind. Okay? So Holy Spirit showed me how to pray. And I get this thought comes to my mind because that's how the Lord often speaks to us. Problem at six years of age. Maria, did you have a problem when you were six years old? She just starts, blah, you know, gushing. You know, it's like, okay, so time out. Sister Julia, Sister Nora, would you pray for, Nora, by the way, was our district supervisor. Would you go pray for Maria, you know, apart, so that she's not having to sit here and expose her life story in front of everybody. So they went out and prayed for her, and that was great. So cool. So then I, schizophrenia is next. And that was one of those deals where it's like you just know that God's like showing somebody I want to heal you, but we're not going to do it in front of everybody. So as I'm laying hand, starting to lay hands on her with, there's always women laying hands on her. I'm not laying hands, but I said, Lord, show me how to pray. And the Lord says, later. So I said, uh, Pastor Victor and his wife, Julia, will pray for you after the service or on another day because I just felt like it was one of those things, once again, that would expose issues of woundedness. So next then we go to the diabetes diabetes we pray and she feels this heat going through her body which is oftentimes the way the lord you know shows us he's doing something and you know i know well enough to say hey look um go have a doctor check you out don't quit taking your insulin and if he says you can stop it then stop it you'll know if you're healed check okay so now maria comes back in the service and all of a sudden her face is like bright I'm going, Maria, what, what happened? She says, I'm starting to see out of my left eye. Yeah. I said, well, come over here, honey. Let, I didn't say it that way, but I mean, I said, come over. Come over here, let's pray. And so I said, um, let's just ask the Holy Spirit to show, show, show me how to pray. And the Lord says, command the eye to be healed. That's the thought that came to my mind. So in Jesus' name, I be healed. And so I said, what's happening? And she says, well, um, I can see 23% now. But 23%? Where where do you get that from? That's what she said. 23 23%. 23%. So I said, 23%? I said, wow. So it was like, what was it before? Diaz, 10%. So oh, okay, 20, 10 to twenty-three. So so I said, let's, you know, we're gonna pray again. So everybody extend your hand. In Jesus' name I be healed. What are you doing now? Eighty-five percent. I'm going. 85. Where do you get that? Were you an ophthalmologist or something? I mean, like that's I couldn't figure out. You know, how do you know? 23, 85. Like, like she's sitting there going, uh, click, check, yeah, better. Which one? You know, like when you go to the eye doctor, that deal. And so 85. And so I said, we're going to pray again. You know, now now remember, Jesus prayed for a guy, and he said, how you see? He interviews him. What do you see? He says, I see men, what walking as trees. So his vision was seeing men, their bodies extended, kind of like those you know, circus kind of places with the mirrors and the funny stuff going on, as trees. And so we pray again. And I said, what's going on? And I said, cover your eye now, cover your good eye. What time is it? He says, it's 11.30. The room went quiet. We were all shocked. We were absolutely stunned. Because we knew that we just sat there and saw the Lord show up and heal somebody's blind eye. And so afterwards, you know, I videotaped her testimony. And, I, I, you know, if you want a copy of it, I can leave it with you for next week, you know. But, or for the, for the website, whatever. But she said in her testimony afterwards is that I never, I, I'd always limited the Lord. She just said, I never really thought that I could ask him for something like that. And she, by the way, is a seamstress. So being able to thread needles and have adept perception is a very important thing for her. I I couldn't figure out why this was a big deal because here's the other. I have a really bad eye still. I have 2,100 in my right eye. But God healed her eye. Hmm, That's kind of weird. You know, process that a little bit. She has a blind eye. I still have an eye problem. God must love her more than he loves me. Right? Isn't that what we think sometimes? We, we, we go, oh, or, or, where's my faith? I oh got no faith. I got faith for her, but not for me. Right? So we really, here's, here's my proposal. We've got to embrace a kingdom theology of healing. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Is it Trevor back there? Hey, Trev. Can you put Mark one fifteen up there for me? The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the king the good news. So Jesus, first thing he's preaching on is the kingdom is here now. Now, there's not a lot of time to go into what the kingdom of God is, but I'm just going to define it, okay? The kingdom of God is God's authority manifesting itself in this world to bring about the blessings of the age to come right now. So it's the future being present. Let's say that out loud. The future being present, okay? The presence of the future. So Jesus talked about two ages, this age and the age to come. Hebrews 6, chapter 6, verse 1, he says, we experience the powers of the age to come. But here's the really strange thing. They're here, but they're not here in their fullness. So we're in this, and this is what a lot of theologians say, we're in this already not yet. We're in this in-between time. And because of that, we're going to have different manifestations of healing. We're going to have partial healings where we pray, and it's like we go up to the, and, gee, it's just, we prayed this far, but nothing else happened, and we don't know why. Or we'll have progressive healings, like in the case of Maria, where we prayed probably three times for that healing to occur. Or there'll be instant healings. Boy, don't you love the instant healings? Yeah, like a hole-in-one. You know, <clears throat> and then we'll have no healings or apparently no healings. I had a no healing once. Can I tell you about my no healing? Generally, in my, my MO on all this is I only want to do what the Lord says to do. What, whatever the impression that comes to my mind, whatever he's speaking to me, that's what you do. No more, no, no less. That's it. And that takes a lot of discipline. Trust me. And so I'm in a church service in Northern Chile and a friend of mine from Louisiana is there, and he preaches in the service. And the, it's our district supervisor, Nora, who was at, you know, at the first healing with me. And Nora, because she's seen that happen, she says, hey, Brother Lee, will you got a word for us or something? You feel the Lord? And I said, yeah, I want to pray for your husband. Now, her husband is the sweetest guy on the planet. His name's Ugo. He plays a ripping violin. I mean, this guy's like, all over that thing. But he's had ear infections all of his life. And his loss of hearing right now is hindering his ability to play the violin. And I'm feeling terrible for this guy. When I heard the stories of the things he went through as a kid and the teasing and all that stuff about his hearing problems, it just it broke my heart one day. And I said, ah. it's like when, when the when they came to Jesus and said, this guy deserves a healing because he built the synagogue for us. This is one of those, God, this guy deserves a healing because he's a sweet man. So I said, I just want to pray for Ugo. So I went up on the platform, in Jesus' name, ears be healed, nothing happened. In Jesus' name, ears be healed, nothing happened. All right, that's all I can do. Sat down. Three weeks later, my friend Todd from Louisiana calls me and says, dude, you won't believe this. They say dude in Louisiana too, and California doesn't have exclusive rights to dude, you know. <clears throat> he says, dude, you won't believe this. He said, since I saw you publicly pray for somebody and nothing happened twice, I started praying publicly too, and we're seeing all the kinds of healing happen. (laughs) What? What? You know, kingdom, right? The no the unhealing healing. The no healing that launches other healings. So that's just the way the kingdom is. It is so unpredictable. It is, there's a mystery to it. I think mystery in the, in the true sense of the word where we just don't know what God's up to because all we are are messengers. He's the healer. And so once we get that, then we've got to break another problem. It's called Christian magic. Want to hear what Christian magic is? It's where we do certain things and we demand that we get certain results from God. But I prayed in Jesus' name three times. Sorry. At the end of the day, it's God who decides who gets healed, when they get healed, how they get healed. Now, let me tell you, another, my wife for the last six months has been going in for therapy for her shoulder. She has what they call frozen shoulder. And so it's getting better. And we're praying and we're claiming. I mean, we're not claiming. I'm not, you know, but, I, but we do pray all the time for her shoulder. And it's been a medical therapeutic process that's bringing about her healing. So here's where I've landed. I believe that any form of healing except that which is brought about by the works of darkness, witchcraft, you know, whatever, New Age mumbo-jumbo, that kind of stuff, anything outside of that is from God. So therefore, I can embrace sometimes where healing will come about because a doctor did something and we prayed. Or a doctor did a lot of things by cooperating with the restorative nature of the body, the person was healed. I don't see that as a point of competition or a lack of faith on my part. Because if it's about the kingdom, then we quit asking the question of like, I'll use Kurt, hey Kurt, where's your faith, man? Come on, what's up? Or is there any sin in your life? You know, God, God doesn't operate on those terms. The first healing I saw in my life Happened in Van Nuys in a hospital one time and a guy, I walk in a room, a guy had an amputated leg and uh, he's smoking a cigarette and my immediately thought process, well, surely God won't heal this guy because he's smoking a cigarette. Right? Like, oops, time out. Put the cigarette away, sir, or you won't get healed. You know? Like Like I'm the healing cop or something, you know? Put the cigarette out the window. Okay? And so, guess what? I go in there and I immediately sense this guy has faith for healing. I says, I sense you have faith for healing. Why? Well, I've been to a couple of these. Many of you have not heard of this person, but Catherine Coleman was this healing evangelist, you know, 30, 40 years ago, and, and all kinds of stuff happening in her, in her ministry. He'd been to one of her events and seen people get healed. So he, like, he knew he could get healed. So now I got this. I did the cl- most clueless thing. This was my one of my first pastoral hospital calls. I laid hands on the amputated leg and he screamed at the top of his lungs, ah, because it was painful when I touched him. And so then I wanted to crawl under the, uh, (laughs) that's when you want to go under that, that bed and hide and oh God, what did I do? Anyway, he had a blood clot and thankfully the Lord dissolved the blood clot and saved my embarrassment, which was terrible. So I learned, that was a big lesson. Note to self, don't touch patients in a hospital without asking permission. So, so we have all these things going on. Yeah, you should go ahead and laugh. It's okay. Yeah, way to go, buddy. Loser. No, anyway. So anyways, that's what I learned of different kinds of healing. But today I want to talk about specifically how to move to another level of praying and healing or ministry of prayer. What can you do to move to another place of authority? Okay? Because I think at the end of the day, all of us, or many of us, are saying, Lord, I really want to be that instrument. I want to be that vessel that you can use, whether it's in the marketplace or in church or whatever, where I can be part of what you're all about in seeing people healed. Amen? How many people would say, yeah, that's me? Amen. I agree. So, one of the things that we know is that Jesus, in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, if Trevor can put that up there, Luke 4, 1, It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into where? The wilderness. So guess what? There's going to be seasons of your life, if you're following the Holy Spirit, leading your life, instead of sending you to that wonderful resort in southern Florida, that all-inclusive place where you want to live the rest of your life, he's going to send you to a wilderness because he wants to teach you certain things in that, that, through that experience. And so Jesus was led by the Spirit, but the key is that he obeyed the Spirit. And that's an important thing, is that you have to make a decision, I'm going to obey what I sense the Holy Spirit telling me to do. Now that's a whole process of, you know, how do you know the will of God? How do you find the will of God? And, and Pastor Dave's I'm sure, has got you know, reams of teaching about helping you figure that out. But at the end of the day, You'll know what God's will is if you're seeking it. You're going to have, the hard part is going to be obeying sometimes. But that obedience will bring about greater authority. If we go to Luke chapter uh, 4, verse 14, it says, He returned, he returned to, the, to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about Him spread through the whole countryside. So we go into the wilderness. We're tempted by the adversary. We come out of the wilderness. Also, prayer and fasting is part of that. We come out in the power of the Holy Spirit. So there's something about obedience, prayer and fasting, overcoming temptation, that at the end of the day, it produces more spiritual authority. Gotta get an amen? amen. So, so a very, very important thing. But I want to talk about the issue of partnership. Now, I didn't look up this verse. Maybe if somebody, one of you Bible with people uh, can find this for me. But when you think about the children of Israel coming out of know out of egypt they get to the to the red sea you know i love the i love the uh, charlton heston thing you know the, you know and he's got the beard and these the staffs there and those red sea parts and they cross and when i was a little kid i was like wow look at that it's the red sea and and the the water's up there and they're going through there and then here comes the egyptian army red sea comes back kills the egyptian army biggest army in the world at that time wiped out and they're across there and like yeah you know, and they not just come out of Egypt, but then they've been ta- they've been able to take the plunder of Egypt, treasures, gold, silver, jewels, whatever they co- that they- comes with them. It's like wow, and that gets a lot of people's prosperity theology going really big time. Yeah, we're gonna plunder Egypt, okay, whatever that means. And so they get out of there, and guess what God does to them? He says, "Okay, I got. I, got, I want to tell you guys something. Um, can't go north." There's some really, can we say badass here? There's some badass guys up there. Okay. I hope that's okay. Bleep that off the recording if that can't be on the website, okay? What kind of missionary would ever say that in church? Badass. Okay. There's some badass guys up in the north called Philistines, okay? And guess what? You're not ready to take them on. Okay, now here's my response. Wait a minute. He just wiped out the biggest army in the world. What, what, how can they be? They're not that badass. And God said, yeah, they are. If you can't take them on. You're not ready. Because I want you to go over here and learn what it means to fight. So we move from a place of provision to a place of partnership. Partnership. And see, that's what God's calling you guys to do. Some of the things you get at the beginning, like don't you love the prayer? Like, wow, answer the prayer. like could answer prayer. You know, like kung fu prayer. But then all of a sudden, it's like, now I've got to hear from God. i got to pray. i got to fast sometimes. i gotta, I got to partner with God and his plans and purposes. Quick story on Kurt. When we, my first experience with healing was my secretary in Guatemala praying for her in like a little you know we had like three staff members in our church and and uh, her name was flotty and and um she had a cyst on her neck i'm sorry guys you know ladies you'll understand this. i didn't notice the cyst on her neck but she had one and so she says pastor lee i've got this cyst on my neck oh yeah i've been wondering about that i hadn't seen it ever i've been wondering about that she said, I've been taking antibiotics, and the doctors said if, if it doesn't go away, they're going to have to do surgery, and she didn't want a scar on her neck. How many women want a scar on your neck? None of us, right? It's women, women. <laughs> None of us want scars on her neck, okay. And so, <laughs> all right. anyway, let's go. Keep moving, keep moving. And so, it's one of those kind of like matter-of-fact prayers, like you do over dinner or lunch or something. Lord, thank you for this day. Bless, you know. My assistant pastor's there. Lady does the, the, in charge of the cleaning, and then Floody, my secretary. And in Jesus' name, Lord, heal Floody's neck. And she starts screaming, ah, like that. And I'm thinking, because my Spanish was so poor back then, that I'd said something wrong. What, what, what did I say? And she says, it's gone. And I go, really? <laughs> I, I'm the first guy that's surprised. I'm always surprised. Yeah. I never quit being surprised when people get healed. I never do. It freaks me out every time. <clears throat> so she gets healed. So Kurt at this point is, I know you won't believe this, but at one point he was this big in his life. Maybe like 12 months. Yeah, last year. <laughs> you have some unresolved relational issues here with some people. We need a ton. Anyway, um, yeah, last year. Uh, He's like, I think you were like 18 months, so maybe you were like this big. But anyway, Kurt had a little cyst under his chin, and so the doctor, we take him to the pediatrician, and they go, got a cyst under his chin. I thought, a big deal. I would cysts. I do cysts. I pray for cysts all the time. And so, uh, I, 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 it was a P. The guy wasn't a Christian. I said, thank you, doctor. I'm very, yes, we'll, we'll, we'll do the best for him. And so, and he says, and if it doesn't go away, he's going to have to have surgery. And I, thank you, doctor, you know. And, and I, I'm kind of like, feeling I need to console the doctor a little bit. And, and so, uh, I, I fasted three days. Jesus healed the cyst. Nothing happened. Fasted three more days. Nothing happened. I think I fasted, I, I'm going to say close to, 12, 13, 14 days. Now, not consecutively, by the way. Just so you're going, whoa. I turned into a toothpick. Honey, I shrunk the missionary. But but uh, it was one of those things where I'm going like, God, you like, I mean, you healed Florida. What's up? This is, this is a baby. And so guess what? They're wheeling him into the operating room. I'm sitting here with, with my arm around my wife's shoulder, and we're just, whoa. You know, and he just he came out, sister was gone. God used medicine and taught me a big lesson because I had gotten really weird at that point. He knew I'd go weird on him if he didn't let that happen. Because, I mean, it was like instantaneous healing. Boom, gone. So now we had to understand where medicine, and ultimately it was years later before I understood the theology of the kingdom of God. I really didn't understand until maybe 10, 10 years later, 15 years later, what that was all about anyway. You can know now, by the way. Save yourself a little pain. So, um, so we have this issue of authority now. So I want to talk about three things real quick. How are we doing on time, by the way? We okay? Got another hour. Yeah, right. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> Might be, be here way beyond that hour. Okay, hey, call in the burgers. Um, so I want to talk about, once again, authority issues. How do you move into that n- next level of authority? Now, uh, can you put 2 Corinthians five seventeen up there, Trevor? Um, you know, if any man is in Christ, and anyone, I like that, anyone, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. So if anyone is in Christ, guess what? You are a new creature. You are a new person. Uh, tap the person next to you and say, you're a new person. Just tell them. Get in their face. Insist on it. You're a new person. You're a new person, Okay. So we have this identity established in I'm in Christ, I'm a new person. Boy, that's a huge breakthrough because a lot of people will throughout their lives figuring out what identity is all about. They'll put their identity on relationships. They might put their identity in what their job is or what their position is or, or what their ministry is, you know, whatever it will be. Our identity is wrapped around that position or Whatever, our prosperity, the amount of money we make. So, but the identity issues for us are taken care of up front. We are in Christ, and we are new creatures. That's huge. Amen. Second thing we have is security. Romans eight thirty seven through 38, or 39, whatever. 37, there it is. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Then can you do 38? If not, we'll read it. Oh, there you go. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, 39, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So nothing spiritual material can separate us from the love of God. So that should produce in us a sense of deep security. I know that I'm loved. I know that even when I... I mess up, and we all do, right? That if I confess my sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that I can have a clean conscience despite the fact that I've committed eh, a couple of sins in my life. Maybe I'm lying to myself. Maybe a whole lot of sins. Maybe a truckload of sins. But no matter how many, Nothing will separate me from His love. So I have this thing called security. And finally, Ephesians two sixteen. Trevor, can you get that one up there? And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. Uh, I think I got the wrong one on that one. I we'll have to go to. Let's all go to Ephesians real quick. I want the. I want the verse. It might be three sixteen, where we're seated in heavenly places. I'm on you Bible. Whiz people out there, help me. Uh, 2-6, it should have been 2-6, that's what it was. It says, uh, chapter 2, verse 6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace compared in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And he goes on, for it is uh, by grace that you've been saved. So in Ephesians 2-6, Um, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Now, when does that begin? Does it happen off in the future, or does it happen now? Anybody want to take a guess? Now? How many say future? Oh, look at you. How many say now? Exactly right. We are in a place of authority with Christ from this point forward. So we have identity, security, and authority. But I want to talk about that issue of partnership for a second. Because there's two passages in the New Testament that to me talk about what I consider the ultimate expression of partnership with God. Now, tell me what you think God, how God feels about people beating up his kids. How many of you like to see your kids get beat up? Nobody, right? Is there anything in the world that will just make a parent go like, yeah, Those claws come out. You know, because it's your child. Okay? God feels the same way toward us times a gazillion. Somebody messes with you, he's messing with his son or daughter. So when Paul is persecuting the church, throwing people in prison, voting to have them killed, Jesus appears to him on the Damascus Road and says, Paul, why are you persecuting not them, me? Pretty intense. When you think about it. So we have our buddy Stephen in Acts chapter 7. Can you go, Trevor, to Acts 754 there for me? We'll process through this. It says when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth. Now, by the way, let me just tell you a little bit. Stephen ticked them off big time. Because he talked about the fact that while they thought they were really cool religious people, he basically said, you've always rejected the prophets. And by the way, when God sent his Messiah, you rejected him as well. Essentially, that was the thing that really pushed their buttons. And it would have pushed your button if you were a Jewish leader too. So it says, when the members of the... Back to 54. Oh, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven. I'm sorry, back to the... Where are we? 53. No, Okay. But Stephen... Okay, right there, 54. When the members of Sanhedrin heard this... That's right, there we are. They were furious and gnashed their teeth. Okay, that means they're ticked. Now, 55. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Only example of Jesus not sitting at the right hand but standing at the right hand of God is found in this verse. So we go on to 56. Look, he said, I see the heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. He expresses verbally the vision he's having of Jesus standing up in heaven. Okay, go on, 57. At this, they covered their ears, yelling at the top of their voices. They all rushed at him. Next, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. Next verse. While they were stoning him, Jesus prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And this is, the, this, this is the clincher for me. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep, which means he died. So people are in the process of torturing him, taking him to a very painful death, and he moves to another place of authority when he says, God, don't let them be held responsible for this sin they're committing against me and guess where he goes goes to heaven he goes to his next place of authority but the the ticket or the door or the gateway to that new place of authority was i'm now going to partner with the mercy of god now i don't know about you i've had a few little run-ins with christians in my life I don't know what it is, but the longer you're around, the more run-ins you seem to have. Some have been extremely painful. Some have been by leaders that should you would think, oh you'd think they'd they know better, do better, act better, but man, that hurt. And about a month ago, I was reading this verse you know, during my journal reading, and I just leapt off the page. And I, I realized while I had been hoping for the judgment of God against them, God was saying, no, pray for my mercy for them. And so you know what I did? I um, took out a list of all the people that I could think of. And I said, Lord, show me everybody that's really wounded me, church people, <laughs> you know, people like you and me. And I said, Lord, Lord, don't hold against that guy what he did to me. Don't hold what that person said about me against them. And all along when I had been thinking, God, just take them out, fry them. You know? Like the the disciples going through Samaria, fry those Samaritans. And Jesus goes, you don't know what I'm all about. Because it's all about mercy. And that takes us to another place of authority. And when I did that, when I made my little list, and I said, Lord, don't hold that against them, there was just such a, it's like all of a sudden this, relief, peace, sense of like, eh, whatever, you know? Because all of a sudden, those things were not giants to me anymore about what that person said or did or how they wounded me, 10, 15, 20, however long ago it was. It doesn't have to be church people. It could be somebody when you were growing up said something to you or did something against you. Lord, forgive them. Don't hold that against them because that's the mercy of God. That's God's spirit. That's God's heart. And when we partner with him in mercy, we move to a new place of authority. One of Jesus' last words, what were they? Father, forgive them for so they don't know what they're doing. Now, I'm t- if you look at that passage, they're spitting, they're making fun of them. They're, they're casting lots, they're, they're rolling dice to see who's going to get his clothes because his clothes had financial value to them. And in the midst of that, he's going, Lord, please God, don't hold, Father, don't hold this, all this insulting, all this pain, all this stealing my clothes. Don't hold that against them. Forgive them. So before we pray for people to be healed, because we want to do that, of course, I want to pray that the Lord helps each one of you take that next step. And sometime this week, you write your little list down and say, Lord, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they did. Maybe they looked like they did know what they were doing. Maybe they were actually very intentional about it. Because, I mean, humanly speaking, how do you even know? But we can always pray, God, don't hold it against them even if they did know. Because at the end of the day, to move into that place of authority means that we have to have another level of unity. And unity starts with mercy. Unity says, I don't care how you act toward me, what you've said about me, the things that you've told other people about me, you've exposed me, I forgive you. Because I'm committed to love and mercy. Amen? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I ask you to bring to minds right now people who've had experiences in the last two weeks or 20 years ago of people they need to forgive so they can go to that next place of authority. Lord, I pray that, and I just sense your own tenderness here at this point, that you would begin to heal hearts. Would you just lay your hands on top of your heart right now? Both your hands. Lord, I pray that you'd begin to heal hearts right now that people who have been wounded, abandoned, uh, walked over, crushed emotionally, that they would find by forgiving others and even asking for your mercy upon those people, they would find a new level of healing in their own hearts. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen.